Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Acts chapter 20, you there? Verse six. I've entitled this message, Halfway In and Halfway Out. You can't preach this one, T. I beat you to it. Pastor Terrence and I were talking about a couple of things I'd heard recently. I said, mm, it's got down in my spirit. He said, ooh, I'm gonna preach that. I said, not if I preach it first. You probably preach it better than me, but I'm preaching it first. This is the story of Paul and his companions. Let's read it, verse six. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and in five days joined them at Troas where we stayed seven days. Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Don't anybody complain that I'm long-winded. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But the mighty anointed apostle Paul went down fell on him and embracing him said, do not trouble yourselves for his life is in him. Isn't that an awesome story? And now when he had come up and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak. Now listen, if we had to call 911, somebody fell and broke their neck in church and even if we prayed them back, I don't know if we'd keep having church or not. Paul just kept right on preaching. Do y'all see that? All the way till daybreak, he departed and they brought the young man, Eutychus, in alive and they were not a little comforted. All right, thank you for respecting the word. You can be seated. So let me just jump into this. Okay, no, no catchy stories. I'll tell some stories in a minute. Let's just, let's just go into the Bible. As the Apostle Paul is wrapping up his third missionary journey, he had three of them, this is the third one, Luke is telling us, Luke wrote Acts, that he makes a stop at the city of Troas and there he finds a group of disciples, which they're followers of Jesus, which means they would constitute the local church in Troas. And Paul met with them on the first day of the week. And and just so we can be clear, the first day of the week is Sunday. Monday is not the first day of the week. Go look at your calendar. Sunday is the first day of the week. Monday is the first day of your work week. And the world has made it the first day and then you got the weekend. But it's not. Sunday is the first day of the week. And they're gathering together, do you notice this, on Sunday to have church. So let me just say, I think here is New Testament proof that you ought to go to church on Sunday. If you're going to go to work on Monday, 
You ought to go to church on Sunday. You ought to worship God in a church service on Sunday. You ought to listen to preaching at church on, yeah, you ought to experience the presence and the power of God at church on, you ought to fellowship with other saints at church on, you ought to take communion with the body of Christ at church. Yeah, you got it. And they held this service. There were no church buildings like we have today. They had home meetings. And so the service was held on the third floor of a building, probably someone's home, and they broke bread, which probably has a dual meaning, which means that they, they had a meal together, a, a love feast, they called it, where they had koinonia fellowship. It was very intimate, much like a church potluck dinner. And they probably also, like we did this morning, had communion. Breaking of bread means having communion. And then Paul preached to the people. You got it? There's the context. And this brings us to a young man named Eutychus in the congregation. I thought this was interesting in the Greek. Uh, the, the name Eutychus means fortunate. He wasn't so fortunate in this story, was he? Didn't live up to his name, but perhaps his parents couldn't have children, and then he came along, and so they felt fortunate to have him, lucky to have him, and they named him Fortunate. I love the fact that the younger generation is represented in the Bible in the early church. Don't you love that? You know, for a while we've been told that the millennials have left the church, and I know that many churches have few or no young adults, young people in their congregation, and I just thank God we're blessed at High Praises Church to have a lot of young adults. Can we just give all the young adults a hand of appreciation? Thank God, they keep flocking in here. And I think what we've learned here and around the world is that the next generation is hungry for God and they're hungry for a move of God. They're hungry for the power and the anointing of God. I think they wanna be in a church that is where they have a transcendent experience, where they have a transformative experience with God, and, and by the way, that's why they're flocking to Pentecostal churches. I don't know if you know this, but, but the nominal churches have been declining for years. The Southern Baptists got a little worried for a while. They may have re rebounded some, but they, were, they had panned out. They weren't seeing the baptisms. They weren't seeing the growth. But amazingly, not only in America, but around the world, the one segment of Christianity that has boomed and grown and still is growing is the Pentecostal charismatic movement. And, and around the world, people are coming to churches like this one because they believe they can experience more. They're tired of the traditionalism. They're tired of religiosity. They're tired of the apathy and the complacency and a social gospel and going through the motions. They said there's got to be more to that. And they get around a bunch of good spirit-filled people like this and get in the presence of God and feel the power of God and say, I like it. I think I'll hang around. And they can just keep coming as far as I'm concerned. So we've got a young man in the church named Eutychus. And the Bible says he started sinking into sleep. Now, some people want to blame Paul's preaching for this, but I don't. I don't think that's valid. Paul said, I don't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. He said, when I preach, I come in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. When Paul preached, something happened. When Paul preached, you felt the anointing. 
When Paul preached, you sat on the edge of your seat. I have sat and listened to Pentecostal preachers who preached an hour and they'd started to wrap it up and I was so engrossed in, with them for that hour that when they said they were coming to a close that I looked at my watch and thought, no. And I'm thinking, don't stop. There is something about the anointed preaching of God. So I don't think that was it. Luke tells us that the room was filled with lamps and, and the fire's burning. And we know that fire burns up oxygen. It was probably a crowded room. So I imagine the oxygen level was being depleted some. And so that makes you sleepy. Okay, now I've been in a few churches where I have gotten sleepy and it wasn't due to oxygen deprivation. It was the preacher. Not this one. But have you ever been with a preacher that four times said, I'm coming to a close? He said, I'm coming to a close. And 10 minutes later, he said, I'm coming to a close. And five minutes later, he said, I'm coming to a close. I heard a comedian say, how many doors does this sermon have? He said, some preachers need, need to take a cue from Moses and Pharaoh and let my people go. So this wasn't why Eutychus got sleepy. I think it was because of the oxygen. So Eutychus tried to alleviate this problem by moving to an open window. And the Bible says that he sat in the window. Now, brothers and sisters, you don't sit in a window on the third floor. You sit in front of a window. You look out the window. But he got in the window. So I want you to get this image in your mind. Eutychus is sitting in the window with half of his body in the building and half of it out of the building. Part of him was in the church. Yeah, you're getting it. Part of him was outside of the church. He was 50-50. Now, I know that this passage hermeneutically should be labeled as something descriptive. It's describing a historical event to us. I understand that. I understand. I study the Bible. I also know that if sometimes if you look hard enough, you can find some things there that can be symbolic and even prescriptive. And I'm just going to gather that that's in this text. Here it is. When it comes to God and when it comes to the church, you can be halfway in and halfway out. Oh, now it's going to get quiet now. It's going to get quiet now. But that's all right. What do you mean, Pastor Chris? Oh, you serve God halfway. You live right halfway. You attend church halfway. You're not even here half the time. You halfway read your Bible. You halfway pray. You're half committed to God. Half of you is on fire for God. Where's the other half of me? The other half of you is focused on people and things in this world that are trying to keep you from God and keep you out of church. You ever heard someone say, you're holding out on me? You ever said that to somebody? You're holding out on me. What does that mean? If you're holding out on me, you got something that you're supposed to let me know or tell me 
that you're not telling me. Or you got some money that you're not giving me that's supposed to, I'm supposed to get some of it. You, you with me? You got something, but you, you're not giving it to me. Do you know you can hold out on God? You can hold out your praise. You can hold out your life. You can hold out your money. You can hold out your business. You can hold out your faith. You can, you can hold out. And that's what people do who are halfway in and halfway out. They're 50-50 Christians holding out on God. You can be like somebody who audits a college class. Did, did you know you can audit a class? And if you've never been to college, you're like, what's that? When you audit a class, let's say you're, a, you're a, an engineer and you decide you want to go take one class but you don't want to sign up and pay and have to take exams and all do all that stuff. And you don't need credit. You just want to be there and get the information so it'll help you. So you can audit the class. You sign up and then you go to class. You just, you show up if you want to. And you don't have to show up if you want to. I don't even know if the teacher takes attendance for you. And you, you walk into class and you listen to the professor and you take notes. But you don't have to pay for it. Auditing the class costs you nothing. And you aren't required to take exams. And you don't receive college credit for showing up. And I think that's the same way when you're half in and half out. You attend church. You listen to the preaching. You might even take notes. However, you aren't willing to pay the price of total commitment. You avoid circumstances that would Test your faith. You may call yourself a Christian, but God gives you no credit because you're only halfway committed to him. You get quiet on me now and sit on your hands. Just keep it right there. But don't expect a, expect a diploma from the Lord when you get to the end. Ooh, I told you you are going to get quiet. Now, there's a few people, I don't have anybody in my mind, but I know what the Lord showed me. There's a few people right now squirming because you need to hear what I'm saying. Not to make you squirm, but because God is reaching out to you, saying it's time to get in. The prophet Hosea must have had some people like Eutychus in his congregation. I love this. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, believe it or not. Hosea 7, 8, Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Ephraim is a cake unturned. Ephraim is the nation of Israel. They had forged alliances with heathen nations, and the problem was instead of influencing them and winning them to the Lord, they were winning them to their false idols. So they were practicing something called synchronism. Syncretism, rather. Syncretism. Syncretism is the blending of two or more religions into one. So they would, listen, they would worship Jehovah on Saturday, but then they'd go to the god Dagon or Baal or Asherah to that church service on Tuesday. They serve God half of the time. They serve the false gods the other half of the time. And people do this today. They claim to serve God and be saved. They attend church. They sing all these awesome songs. However, after church, they're hanging with people who get them involved in questionable activities and even sin. 
These church folk claim to believe the Bible, but they support abortion and gay marriage. I'm calling it today. Their theology and life is like a glass of tea called half and half. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You don't want that full glass of tea because all that sugar is going to make you gain two pounds. So to make it right, mm, pastor's done gone to Midland because he's messing with our southern tea. You put a little half of unsweet tea in it. Still got that sweet poison sugar in there. But you only got half of it. Just throw a little unsweet in there. Little God, little church, little Sunday morning. Watch the podcast. Mm, you got quiet on me. Anybody at home, say, get somebody at home, just give me an amen there. Sitting on your couch. Because I can't hear you either. People in the church halfway in, halfway out, dating people that are unsaved. Then wondering why you're getting in trouble. I'm going to preach it. Stay away from somebody that's not. What does light have to do with darkness? What does the temple of God have to do with a temple of the devil? But I love him. No, you don't. You're attracted to him, but you don't love him. If you've got to the point you fell in love with somebody who doesn't love the Jesus that you love, they better love Jesus first because you love Jesus more. And the only way you can love them is that they need to love Jesus. You know there's not evangelism dating. I'll win them to the Lord. No, you won't. No, you won't. They'll fake it. I've seen it. I got people in this church that can testify they've been through that. Gave them, a, gave them heartbreak. You don't want a 50-50 Christian for your husband or wife. And why I like that verse is because God calls those people half-baked pancakes. You didn't know there's funny things in the Bible, did you? Ephraim is a cake unturned. Now, my wife cooked me, baked me. She cooked me a meal. She baked me a yellow cake with chocolate icing. It's my favorite cake. My wife doesn't bake much. So the fact she baked me a yellow cake with chocolate icing, that made it extra special. But what I do know about baking, when my wife baked that wonderful cake, is we don't flip it. You just pour it in a bowl and it rises. So if you're going to talk about a cake unturned, it's got to be a kind of cake you can, you got to flip it. And that's a pancake. God said, I got these people that on one side of their life, they're nice and gold, toasty gold. Oh, it's so beautiful. They're, they're close to the heat. They, they got a little bit of fire about them. If you get them in church or get them around other church people, I know I'm all up in your stuff. You can hate me all you want, but I, if this kind of preaching will set you free. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost all over me right now. But he said on the other side is nothing but raw dough. 
uncooked, untouched, un- unchanged. God said, you need to be flipped over. You need to give me whatever you're holding out on me. You're halfway in, but half of it's out. You need to give me the other half. Turn it over me. Give it to me. Let the fire of my presence and power purge and change and transform every part of your life. There was a whole congregation full of Eutychuses in the book of Revelation. The Laodicean church. Jesus said, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm, that's their works. What are you doing for God? Woo, praise the Lord, I'm halfway in. <laughs> Hallelujah, and I'm halfway out. It seems stupid when I do that, right? But that was their works. That was their bragging rights. I'm halfway in and I'm halfway out. God said, I know your works. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I'm gonna get to the good stuff in a minute. You're killing us, pastor. No, I'm not. I'm helping you. I just worry because there is a prophetic side of me. You know that. That's why my preaching sometimes, I could be that cushy, mushy preacher every Sunday if that's what you want. But I'm going to tell you, that's not, you can't get that all the time. Now, I can shout you happy if you want to. I can shout you happy in a drop beat, drop of a hat. But sometimes the prophetic needs to come out, that prophet. My dad told me one time, he said, son, you know, prophets are some of the loneliest people in the world. You're going to have a lot of lonely moments in your life because people are going to misunderstand you and crucify you. And it's happened. Good thing about you is you know I love you. That's the pastor side that comes out with me. I love you. And, and I'll be there for you. And that's why I preach the way I do, because I love you. Okay. But I worry about the church in America, and that includes, could be this church, any church in Anderson County. Most of us, listen. Get, get on a plane with me and let me take you to Honduras. I'll take you to a few places, okay? J- Jack, Jack, Nancy, Terry, and I will get on a plane. We'll take you some places. We'll show you some places. You may live in a trailer. You're rich. You don't feel rich. You might live in a double wide, but you're rich. You got electricity? You're rich. You got running water? You're rich. I could take you some places. But... But in America, we are affluent, we are wealthy, we are prosperous, we got so much going on, we have uh, blessings that we cannot even count. And that's how this church was. And they thought that because they had all that, they were spiritual. Blessed of the Lord, I'm blessed, I'm blessed and highly favored. And God said, no, well, you're blessed, but spiritually, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And you need to buy gold for me tried in the fire because you don't have the real wealth. You're halfway in and you're halfway out. I wish you were cold or hot. Do you know God would rather you be, I think, 
in sin than living a life as a hypocrite, a life of duplicity, because it's the same thing. It's the same thing. But he said, I wish you were hot. I just want you to know that God wants his church on fire for him. God wants his people on fire for him. He wants his people saved. He wants his people all in. He wants us passionate for God and the things of God. And Eutychus, because he was halfway in and halfway out of a window, when he fell asleep, he fell out of the window to the ground to his death. And I bring you this really straight message today that you are just going, Woo! I know, I'm looking at your faces. Hang on. You know why somebody's got to preach like this? You know why you got to take this? Next Sunday you'll get something good, something make you feel better. Why do we got to hear this? Well, first of all, if you all in, you ought to be feeling good right now. This isn't for you. But we need to hear this because the danger is that if you get halfway in or halfway out, the danger is you fall. When you're not all in for God and you're holding out and you're 50-50 and you're auditing the class, then there's a danger you could fall into sin. There's a danger that you could fall into temptation. There's the danger that you can fall into the a lifestyle where you're here, but you're not. You're in, but you're not. You're trying, but you're not. And then there's frustration. You fall away from the things that are important to your spiritual life, going to church, fellowship with the saints, fulfilling your call in ministry. I'm bringing this sermon to a close. Well, Mr. Fortunate was very fortunate that night because the Apostle Paul probably fell and broke his neck. The Apostle Paul ran down to him and in the power of the Holy Ghost raised him back to life and God healed his neck. Whatever it was, the trauma, God healed it. There was a healing and a resurrection miracle. Do you believe God still does miracles? I got a friend of mine named George Botain. I've talked about George at times. George and I went to Bible college together. I never, I never asked George, but George, George wouldn't talk about it because he'd always want to give God the glory. But George told the story, and I had a couple other students told me the story where I think at least two different times, George Botain, he, he was from Africa, two different occasions, he raised somebody from the dead through the power of the Holy Ghost. God can do anything. And fortunately for him, God healed him. And he was brought into the service alive and well. Now listen, this time he didn't sit in a window. That doesn't say, but I'm going to guess that dude was on the front row. God, let's, let's don't live halfway in and halfway out, and it takes tragedy to get us back in church. takes a tragedy to get me back in church, to get me back in God, to get me back on fire. I've been preaching because the theme is restoration, and I know this is firm. I know it's strong. I know it is. I don't apologize for it. 
I've tried to give you some stories and add a little human here, humor, but I'm, I know I'm preaching straight, but I don't apologize for it. And I'm just telling you, God can restore and can bring you in to where instead of halfway in, halfway out, you're on the front row. You don't have to be on the front row of the church, but you're on the front row spiritually, engaged, focused, absorbing, consumed, not toying with falling away, but rather plunging in as deep as you can go into the things of God. This afternoon at 3 p.m., Kansas City Chiefs are going to play the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship. The winner will play in the Super Bowl on Sunday, February 11th, two weeks from today. The quarterback for the Chiefs is a young man named Patrick Mahomes. You ever heard of him? If you watched a Subway commercial, you've seen him. If you've watched a State Farm commercial, you've seen him. He is an unbelievable quarterback. He'll probably go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. And he's trying, they won the Super Bowl last year, and he's trying to lead his team to -to back-to-back Super Bowls. I don't know much about Patrick. I don't know him. And you'll hear all the time about people saying they're Christians and they serve the Lord, whatever. I always take it with a grain of salt. You might be shocked at how many NFL quarterbacks are actually really true blue born-again Christians. Brock Purdy for the 49ers. Solid. So I looked up Patrick Mahomes. I know he's always real clean on the commercials, everything. I just, I know he got fired up a few weeks ago and yelled. He actually publicly apologized for that. He was embarrassed by that. Listen, I got so mad at the Clemson Tigers last night, they ruined my night. I laid in bed mad. I got up this morning mad. I got, I, I, it, they ruined me. Those college kids ruined me. That's why I'm preaching so mean this morning. It's Clemson Tigers fault. David, you can write report that. So I looked up Patrick Mahomes. Found out the guy professes faith in Jesus Christ. I thought, cool. But I went a little deeper. You can profess it, but this guy went on record. First thing I found out is the team chaplain says he shows up regularly to all the chapel services. I thought, okay, he attends church. That's good. Because he plays on Sunday. That's his work day. But somebody interviewed him and pressed him real good. And here's what he said. My Christian faith plays a role in everything I do. I always ask God to lead me in the right direction and let me be who I am for his name so it has a role in everything that I do. But this is the part that caught my eye. And I thought, now here I'm preaching on Acts 20 and the guy that's going to be playing on the television tonight, this afternoon, knows this story. In the interview, he said, there's a story in Acts 20 about a guy named Eutychus. And he said, when I read the story, he said, it spoke to me. He said, the dude was halfway in and halfway out. And he said, that's how I could be if I'd let it. I could be halfway in and halfway out. And he said, I don't want to be that way. And when I read that story, now he's he's testifying this profession. They're recording it. You can look it up. And he said, I made up my mind. I wanted to be all in. And he said, so I'm trying to live my life 
where I'm all in for Jesus. Now look, I don't know the guy. Okay, so don't come back to me with six other articles trying to disprove what I say. I'm just telling you what the guy said publicly and I applaud him for that. But I think when, what is that guy, 27, 28 years, he's young. It just blesses me that somebody would even know the Bible enough to know that story and not just slide by it, but God could use it to speak to an NFL quarterback to say, son, you can either be halfway in or halfway out. I want you all in. And that young man said, count me in. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm just hoping in high praises this morning, there's some people that's hearing the story of a guy halfway in and halfway out, and then you're gonna say, God, please count me in. I'm, I'm getting out of the window and I'm getting on the front row. Come on, I want you to stand with me. I'm getting out of the window and I'm getting to the front row. God, count me in. God, I'm gonna serve you. This is the year of breakthrough. This is the year, God, where I've gotta make a decision. He made a decision to go get in the window, but he made a decision to come through the door and get close to the man of God. So I want everybody in this house quickly to come. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.